T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Good morning. Happy Sunday. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy. Brenda off today as she is recovering from surgery. We wish her a speedy recovery and hope to see her back here very soon. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, as we are here in the United States, arguing over what the restrictions should be, should there be restrictions at all. Some states are allowing full-capacity baseball games. Over the border, Canada, uh, Ontario specifically, has jumped into another one-month shutdown. And to go through that with us here is Tiffany Hensby from CTV. Tiffany, good morning. Hey, good morning. Now, here in the United States, you know, we... uh, We're talking about maybe going up to 50% capacity at outdoor events. We very well could be welcoming the Blue Jays here to Buffalo next month. What is the scene right now in Ontario? Well, as you said, you know, Ontario is in another month-long shutdown. So what that means is non-essential businesses are closed. So non-essential retail uh, restaurants are limited to takeout and delivery Obviously, we don't have large sporting events going on right now. Essentially, we're under what's called a stay-at-home order, um, which which means, really, you're not supposed to go out for anything other than essential reasons. Now, that could include you know, trips to the grocery store, the pharmacy. Exercise counts as well. So we're not in a situation, of course, where people are, you know, where you're being asked by police where you, why you're out of your house. That's not the situation at all. But... Certainly, there there isn't a lot going on right now, and uh, our COVID situation, unfortunately, is is getting worse. Now, with this new COVID outbreak or this lockdown, is this a lot to do with the lack of vaccines in Canada? Well, that's going to be part of it, right? Like our our vaccine rollout is obviously far behind that of the United States, and that had that has you know a myriad of reasons, a lot of which have to do with early uh, delivery delays from Europe. So that is part of it. Um, We're in a situation now where in some areas, people, you know, 50 and older can get a vaccine. That's kind of the case here in Toronto for certain neighborhoods that are considered kind of hotspots for the virus. Um, They're going to start to try and roll it out to some younger people as well. But you're right. Vaccines have been a problem. And we are now in a situation where we're seeing, you know, our intensive care capacity stretched to the limit in terms of our healthcare system. And so, I think the government felt that something had to be done to kind of try and slow down those numbers while we can start to ramp up that vaccine rollout. 
That was my next question. When it comes to the hospitalizations, obviously, uh, increase in hospitalizations led to this. Have the hospitalizations been at a low point? Or better asked, better question is, what has the low point during the COVID outbreak been at hospitalizations, and where is it now? I mean, I think uh, the low points, you know, it's a little bit tough to judge, probably early on in the pandemic, obviously. We're now at a point where we've got close to 600 people with COVID-19 in our intensive care units within the province of Ontario. So what that means is uh, elective surgeries, non-essential surgeries, are now being put off as hospitals sort of prepare for for more of these patients to come in to be able to care for them. It's not that we only have, you know, 600 ICU beds. That's not the case. But you want to be able to deal with other sort of critical care issues as well. So our ICUs, as I say, stretch to the limit. It's mainly a a staffing issue as opposed to physical beds. We just, we need more nurses to be able to open more beds. Because right now we're at, you know, about 4,000 new cases a day in Ontario, which is a high for the pandemic. And close to 600 in ICU, that's also a high for the pandemic. So this third wave is, is hitting hard and it hit fast. Now, before the lockdown, what was the state of Ontario? Were you guys uh, allowed to have indoor dining? I mean, how open were things in Ontario a month ago? So it very much depends on where you live. Our government has taken um, thus far a sort of regional approach. Uh, they had a framework set up based on, you know, number of cases, et cetera. So there are some areas where indoor dining, for example, was allowed with sort of limited capacity, um, where transmission was a little bit lower. The city of Toronto and neighboring Peel region have essentially been under lockdown since November. There was a very short time, about maybe a week or two, where the government decided to allow patios to open up for restaurants, for example. And restaurant owners were excited. They bought supplies. They bought a bunch of beer, for example. And then we're kind of abruptly told, mm, sorry, you've got to shut down again. And I think some business owners, some restaurant owners, actually sent a bill to Premier Doug Ford for the spoiled beer. So Now, uh, speaking of traveling, Tiffany, you know, here in the States, people are back traveling. Uh, a lot of airlines have gotten rid of uh, the middle seat being empty. Uh, our producer is going to Las Vegas next week. Uh, now, in Canada, Are Canadians traveling? Obviously, they can't drive over the bridge, but I believe the airports are still open. Are Canadians kind of going through COVID fatigue like we are here in the States and traveling to American cities? I don't know that there's a lot of travel going on. And the reason for that is if you fly into the country right now from an international destination, you, in fact, have to quarantine within a government-approved hotel for at least three days while you await your test results, and then you have to continue your 14-day quarantine at home, assuming that test result is negative. So that's pretty cost prohibitive. The uh, hotels are are charging a lot for that. Uh, It's understandable considering, you know, the security needs and that sort of thing. Um, But I don't, I really don't think there's a lot of travel going on right now. Certainly there's going to be some, but it's just so sort of burdensome to come back that I think a lot of people are, are staying home, you know, in terms of traveling within the country, there's a little bit of that, but, you know, certain provinces within Canada have their own quarantine rules in place. So it's, it's just not, I don't think it's, people would love to travel, but I just don't think it's top of mind right now. I think top of mind right now is, you know, let's get vaccines out and let's get these numbers down.
And talking about getting vaccines out, we touched on the vaccines a little bit earlier, uh, but this one-month lockdown, so we're looking at you know, mid-May. Uh, is the Canadian government expecting by mid-May the vaccine numbers to improve and to have a majority of people to have at least their first shot when we get out of this current lockdown? So for the province of Ontario, um, our premier has said that he hopes to have 40% of adults have at least one dose by the time this lockdown is over. So it's been in place already um, for a short time. I think we're looking at about May 6th as the earliest that it could could open up. Um, so Doug Ford is hoping for 40% by that time. As far as the federal government is concerned, I mean, they're responsible for procuring the vaccines and sort of distributing them out to the provinces. Um, but they are hoping that by... Uh, Hopefully, I think their goal right now is by July 1st to have uh, vaccines out to every adult, at least one dose who wants them, and then by September to have everybody fully vaccinated. I guess whether that's going to happen remains to be seen, but I know supplies really have started to ramp up just in the last couple of weeks. So it's certainly plausible, but I think... We'll have to wait and see if there are more, for example, delivery delays. Well, and we here are hoping that happens because, let me tell you, we definitely miss uh, being able to go over the border and uh, see Canadians and have you guys come over here to the States. Now, one last question, and it has to do with the NHL. Um, They are still playing up in Canada, going city to city, but we've had a situation in Vancouver where I think that might be the biggest outbreak um, sports-related COVID outbreak since sports came back a year ago. So they're not playing. What's it been like with the NHL going on while the rest of the province is shut down? I mean, that's, you know, that's a tough question to answer. I, I wonder how much sports is on people's minds right now. I suppose there isn't much else to do at this point but sit at home and watch and, you know, watch sports. But, I mean, I think the situation you were talking about um, – is sort of indicative of what's going on throughout the province of Ontario right now. And that is the spread of the variant, because if I'm not mistaken, that particular outbreak uh, looks to be this UK variant, which now accounts for the majority of our cases. It spreads quickly. It spreads easily. It is, you know, more severe. It can be more deadly. So I think that's just a sort of almost a microcosm of what's going on right now. Tiffany Hensby from CTV, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Okay, thanks. Thank you. And, and, you know, we look here at the United States, and we are arguing, okay, can we open this up full capacity, right? What are we going to do this summer? Uh, The Blue Jays are coming to Buffalo. How many people will be allowed in the stadium, right? That's the discussion here. Well, just north of the border, That's not the discussion, as you heard from Tiffany. The discussion is, uh, can we outdoor dine again? As they are now staying home for another month at the least. And as I said, I mean, we want the border open as bad as I believe they want the border open. You know, I miss being able to jump over to Canada and uh, especially Niagara Falls and, um, you know, spend a day there, drive up to Toronto, see the Blue Jays at Rogers Center when the roof is open, and hopefully we can get back to that sooner than later. Hopefully those numbers are correct, and uh, the Johnson & Johnson uh, distribution issues that we ha- have seen don't slow down um, the vaccinations as much up in Canada as they are trying to just get vaccinations 
going so then they can argue about what percentage of capacity can we have at restaurants. Now, we did touch a little on that Canuck situation. And, you know, last year when the MLB came back, you know, a lot of people were, were worried because within the first week you had the outbreak with the Miami Marlins and with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, this v- Vancouver Canucks, I, I mean, this has kept spreading. And I now, again, this is a opinion. I'm not sure. But I believe this is the biggest COVID outbreak, team outbreak of professional sports in North America. Now, I could be wrong, but I believe this is the, uh, the biggest one. And this is uh, what they talked about on trying to get back, but the Canucks still noticing community spread amongst the team and family members. It's not an accident that it occurred when it did with what's going on in the broader community. We knew when our, our organization workplace, just like all the other workplaces, everybody is following and trying to follow to the best of their ability, all the protocols in place, and um, we're no different in that way. But we work and live in the city of Vancouver. I can say we're following the curve like every other curve where we had a peak in cases. You've seen how they've been released each day and it's starting to slow down. So we're moving away from the new infection phase into the dealing with the infection phase and then starting into the recovery. So happily, we're getting more towards that stage of this, uh, you know, of this wave within our organization. In terms of, of you know, how this plays out, it, it, it's a bit of an unknown with the, uh, you know, with the, you know, with the virus. We have some expertise from other organizations when they've had it. And so we're just taking it day to day right now. And, you know, my focus as the, uh, as the physician to my patients, in this case, the players and others in the organization is to just manage each and every one of them step by step. Uh, through this virus and, um, you know, get them back to health and then get back to their ability to do their jobs as quickly and as safely as possible. Public health basically have to see that it's safe. That's, that's their priority. Is it safe from an infectious disease point of view to open up? I owe that to each of my patients, all the other staff members, all the other players, and everyone else who's going to come into work in our facility want to know that they're coming to work in a safe place. So we will be looking at what does that mean? What does that look like? And then have a plan put together and submit that to public health. And, and only if they give us the green light, we will then proceed and, and open up. That was team physician Jim Bovard talking about the situation with the Vancouver Canucks. Obviously a scary situation, but they try to uh, get out of the COVID spreading. They tried to recover and get their players healthy again and get back on the ice. But obviously hockey, uh, not the number one thought. And you heard from Tiffany uh, just a few minutes ago, you know, they're playing NHL, but that's not really the number one thought on people's minds. Yes, it's nice to be able to watch a game at night when you're locked at home for the next month. Uh, but as cases continue to surge in Canada and they are trying to get vaccinations in arms at the rate you are seeing here in the United States, uh, another month lockdown for our friends on the other side of the border. But as I said, as Brian Higgins has said, as I believe all of us, uh, we hope that we can see that border open sooner than later. Um, you have families that have been separated. You have uh, people on both sides of the border that have property in either the United States or in Canada um, that would like to go and uh, 
check up on their property. So hopefully they can get the vaccinations going, they can open the province back up, and we can start seeing travel between the two countries sooner than later. All right, when we come back, what a week for politics. I'm, I'm stealing uh, words from Dave Debo, but it seems like every week there is a plethora of new political discussions and to go through the state discussions, we have New York State GOP Chair Nick Langworthy joining us after the news with Alan Harris to talk about restrictions. Yes, I'm going to ask him about Monica Wallace's comments here on WBEN about how the government cannot trust adults to act like adults. And uh, Lee Zeldin has announced that he will run against Governor Andrew Cuomo as a Republican. And we were going to have Congressman Zeldin on, but he had prior commitments. Hopefully we can get him on next week, but we will definitely ask Nick Langworthy about all that and more. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back. Hardline. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer flying solo this week as uh, Brenda Alacy is recovering from surgery, and we wish her a speedy recovery so she will be back here soon. Um, hey, let's get right into it. We have New York GOP Chair Nick Lingworthy with us this segment. Nick, good morning. Uh, good morning, Joe. It's great to be back with you. Yes, and great to have you. And Nick, I got to ask you, you know, earlier this week, we knew the restaurant uh, food with drink mandate, I think is the proper name for it, um, was set to expire. And we heard nothing from the governor, nothing the entire day. And then it turns out that he extended it for another month at the last minute. Um, Now, a lot of people might hear that and be confused because it was not even a month ago we were hearing from... Democrats and Republicans in the Assembly and in the State Senate that they were going to take away his executive power. I think a lot of people, Nick, are confused that he can still act on existing executive orders. Right. And and, and I think it's also important 
uh, for uh, your listeners to understand what BS their Democratic state legislators have sold them about taking away this governor's power. Um, They gave window dressing to it because they were virtue signaling based on the sexual harassment allegations against the governor at the time. So they wanted to take action, and they, they came up with this scheme that essentially only prevents him from issuing new orders. He can extend these orders. Um, Your state legislators in the majority, in the Assembly and the Senate, can go out there and repeal that food mandate for bars and restaurants tomorrow if they wanted to. But the problem is they don't want to. They they want this governor to continue to uh, rule by executive order because they're lazy and they don't want to make difficult decisions. Uh, You see other states in America, and I think – you know, I, I didn't travel, but I, I know many uh, of my friends. I, I got to, you know, see uh, how the rest of the country is functioning through their Facebook feeds. And you see a lot of freedom out there in states like Florida and Texas and the Carolinas uh, that we're not enjoying here in western New York uh, for no good reason. So I, I think that, that really the pressure needs to mount on, you know, people like Monica Wallace and Tim Kennedy and, um, you know, all, Sean Ryan, these senators and assembly members, Karen McMahon, who say one thing in Albany and, and act like they're doing something proactive. And really, it's just fake window dressing. This governor is just as powerful today with these executive orders as he uh, was at the height of the pandemic. And they still have no courage. Yeah, you know, I find it laughable that they say, oh, he can't issue any new executive orders. Well, I don't know where they've been the last year. His executive orders that he still has control of are pretty restrictive and gives him a lot of power. Now, you know, all last year we heard about science, science, science. And, Nick, you mentioned Florida and Texas. And I'm looking at Texas with a five weeks without a mask mandate. They don't have to buy food to, uh, to drink in Texas. And guess what? No COVID spike. So where was the science in extending this for another month? There is no science. And, you know, you're seeing the difference between red state and blue state America, uh, where, you know, governors, um, you know, that that happen to be Republicans in in states that won't tolerate this kind of lockdown, um, that they're they're moving ahead. They, They understand that vaccines work. Um, you know, I think everybody's cheerleading, you know, us getting as many people vaccinated as possible so we can get back to normal. Uh, but, the, you know, that is not what the left relishes. They, they want to have restrictions. They want to have, you know, curbs in our freedom and control. I mean, at some point, this just becomes about the government controlling because, you know, you look at Florida. Uh, it's a success story. Ron DeSantis is a great governor. He led his state. You know, was it was it perfect? No, but. That state is open. You know, I, I, you know, there's a sporting event that went on last night that I'm sure, you know, you watched, Joe, as well as I did, that had 25,000 people in the stands. Yep. And um, it was uh, an impressive thing. Uh, and it, it just makes you, you know, I, I can't wait to see, uh, you know, the fans in the stands uh, at our beloved Buffalo Bill Stadium, hopefully this fall, without this governor standing in the way. Hey, I'm, I'm hoping we see a few Blue Jays games downtown without a... It'd, it'd be awful nice. Uh, Nick, now you mentioned Monica Wallace. Uh, she said this yeah, on Friday, I'm sorry, to Brian Mazarowski. Here's the question, and then I'm going to play the first part of her answer, and i just like your comment on it. Shouldn't we say, well, all right, it is up to 
these businesses and the people who go to them to act in a responsible manner, and we need to take our hands off of it? Well, I mean, you know, no. I mean, that pretty much sums up uh, Democrats' logic at Albany. I, I mean, it's, it's uh, government is all-knowing. I mean, it's a difference in philosophy. I mean, businesses don't want to put people at risk. If their customers get sick, they don't come back. I mean, it, it, it's that simple. Uh, but the, the restaurant and, and entertainment industries and hospitality have been hit harder than any other industry because – you know, if that meal doesn't get served on that day, that's gone forever. It's not like you can say we're going to make it up on the back end with, you know, if you're manufacturing something well, you could ramp up production later. Those meals, if they're not served, that that, that is forever lost. Those hotel nights, those are forever lost. Um, and you have people, you know, as you drive around town, you know, there's clearly people that want to go out. They want to have a good time. They want to eat, but they want to keep their family safe. But as we have, I, I, you know, reading you know the stories this morning, you know, New York State's own statistics: a quarter of New Yorkers are vaccinated. Um, this has got to start to proportionally open up. And, and people like Monica Wallace, who you know think they know more than the hardworking men and women that have created jobs and opportunity in this region, um, they need to be run out of office because they have allowed this culture to continue. They could repeal some of these needless regulations tomorrow, this curfew, this asinine curfew on our bars and restaurants that 11 o'clock all of a sudden, you know, at 11.01, the COVID comes in. Give me a break. Uh, Let's get rid of this. Let's let, you know, the private sector figure this out. Everyone can understand restriction within reason, but we're beyond reasonable at this point. Now, Nick, uh, this week, Lee Zeldin made some news with his intentions to run against Governor Cuomo uh, for governor. Uh, Congressman Zeldin was to, was asked to join us next segment. He does have a prior commitment, so hopefully we'll get him on the show next week. But what can you tell us here in Western New York about Congressman Zeldin? Zeldin, I'm sorry. You know, Congressman Zeldin is a friend of mine, and I'm, I'm thrilled he's entered this race. Uh, you know, we have... Uh, you know, a, an important meeting of the uh, county Republican leaders. The first time I've gathered this group in person uh, in 15 months. Um, and, and it's uh, something we're very excited about, which will essentially kick off our, our screening process for 2022. When I ran for chairman, I said that we are going to get ahead of this. We're not going to have a candidate determined in the election year. We are going to work a year out to get this process rolling. And, and, and with Congressman Zeldin announcing, um, you know, I have the utmost respect as someone that's, uh, you know, he served his country in Iraq. He, um, you know, has served in the state legislature. He was a, you know, a JAG officer as well as, uh, uh, you know, just incredible service in Congress. Uh, he is um, a great leader of the next generation of the Republican Party. And uh, we're thrilled to have him in the race. And I think that you know, you're going to be hearing a lot more from Lee Zeldin. And, but we have some others that are also, you know, looking to be considered for the office. So we, we are going to start our screening process uh, and, and we're going to be off to the races. I mean, th- this is a, um, a serious mission that this party has. Uh, the only way for us to change New York is to change governors of the state of New York. We absolutely must um, have someone that can govern in a common sense agenda, uh, uh, unlike this radical left-wing ideology that we have seen. I mean, look at the budget last week. Uh, We spent 
11 percent more than year over year. I mean, what business has a 11 percent year over year budget? Does your family budget increase 11 percent year over year? Of course it doesn't. While money has rained down from the federal government as they just have turned on the printing presses, we have uh, New York State raising taxes on top of the windfall they got. So a $4 billion tax increase. And meanwhile, we have $2.1 billion of that money set aside to give checks to illegal immigrants that are here and weren't entitled to stimulus funds. They're going to get a lot more than anyone listening here got for their families. They could get up to $15,000 from New York state government. The outrage should be off the charts, but people like Monica Wallace and Karen McMahon and Sean Ryan and Tim Kennedy, they all went along with this part and parcel and they need to be held accountable here in Buffalo uh, for those kind of votes. Nick, now in Albany, the Democrats have what you, I believe right now have what you would call a super majority. Uh, what would it take in those elections to get rid of that super majority, if I'm correct in saying they right now have that super majority? They, they do in, in both houses, and they have in the Assembly for many years. In the Senate, it uh, is something that they acquired in the last election uh, by about two seats. So uh, there is a redistricting period that will be upon us. Uh, in as we get uh, this this month, we'll find out how many seats in Congress New York will have for the next decade. But then the census data will come out this fall, where they'll determine you know what the population shifts have been basically on a neighborhood by neighborhood basis, and that will help map making processes. You know we're going to be trying to get this process into court because they are going to try to gerrymander. Uh, hyper-partisan redistricting onto the Senate and the Assembly, and, and basically carve Republicans out of the process for a long, long time. Um, and people need to be outraged about that as well. I mean, this government is not serving the taxpayers. We need to, uh, you know, increase representation. I mean, it, it's to the point where, you know, you can't even find uh, common sense Democrats to work with anymore. I mean, you know, Western New York's often been seen as a more conservative or uh, a moderate place with, with Democrats. The Democrats that we have that go to Albany from here are, are nothing but radical liberals. They go along with everything that's fed to them. And then they come back and uh, in, in, in pick little, you know, things for the media that they've deviated. They follow their leadership like a bunch of lemmings. I mean, guys like Pat Burke, and, and I keep saying Monica Wallace because she's, she's the biggest hypocrite of them all. Nick, uh, I know you're, you're focused in on uh, state elections, but I, I want to look a year out, 2022. Uh, I mean, after what we've seen with COVID restrictions, especially in blue states, as we've been talking about, um, what do you expect on a national level for Republicans in 2022? And do you think uh, President Donald Trump will have a lot to do in those elections a year from now? Well, I, I think that we definitely um, are, are poised to, to gain the House. I think that when, when you see the policies of this Biden administration, you see the failures right off the bat. You know, within the first 100 days, we see the failures of his immigration policy just basically opening the border. And, and now you've got people that are crossing the border laughing at our agents. I mean, it, it's, it's humiliating for, for those that have tried to protect you know, and, and respect our border. Uh, I believe we're in, in 2022, we're going to have the greatest red wave election nationally that we've had since 1994. I think it's going to be cataclysmic for the left. 
um, you know, people um, that um, might have not wanted to vote for President Trump because of personality conflicts or, or what have you, I think they're going to miss those policies that he, he delivered for us, uh, creating this economy that has soared back even from a pandemic uh, and you know, really created the greatest economy uh, that we've had you know, since at least World War II. Uh, but he made that happen. And I, I think he does have a role to play. He's got to decide exactly how to do that. Uh, but, but candidates have to, you know, push back, not, not just talk about the past. They got to talk about the future. And is they're running for Congress, they're running for U S Senate, uh, or that's why I'm so bullish on the races here in New York, because I think that, uh, you know, totalitarian Democrat control in, in many communities, uh, in our state and other places in the country, Democrats represent you from the presidency right down to your local government. And what have those policies done? Those places that are completely blue are failing. Those places that have, um, you know, governors, uh, county executives, you know, and, um, and, and legislators that, you know, are Republican, those are, those are areas that are thriving. I mean, you know, there's a the reason that the population explosion is going on. Uh, in in states that are more free. And Nick, before I let you go, I got to ask you, you know, we talk a lot about the media's coverage, especially on the right. And last Sunday, 60 Minutes did a piece on Governor Ron DeSantis that since then, even Democrats in the state of Florida have uh, come out and said, yeah, there is no truth to it. However, 60 Minutes has yet to pull that segment and that story from their Twitter page. Uh, I'd like to know your thoughts on that. I, I think the American people are, are very smart, and they're not going to be fooled, and they know just how biased in, in how many lies the media is willing to tell. And, um, you know, I, I get a kick out of things. Like, the, the, the fear factor, you read the headlines in, 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 in our local paper here um, about the virus, and the fear-mongering that goes on with it. Is, is just off the charts. They want you to sit in your house and be scared to death and not live your life. It's a difference in philosophy. And in, in them trying to attack a governor who, by any measure, has done better than anyone else in a, in a big state uh, is, is disgusting. And I am so proud that Governor Ron DeSantis stood up, called them out, you know, proved them uh, to, to, to be – um, lying about his record and, and what went on in the state of Florida. Uh, but, you know, the media trust, uh, the, the public's trust in the media is just gone. I mean, and I'm, I'm very grateful to have outlets like this show and, and WBEN to get our message out and to, to, to try to provide honest balance because it's not there. It, you know, the, the editorial page of the Buffalo News isn't worth, uh, you know, what you'd line a birdcage with. And their philosophy is dictating the headlines in the front pages every single day. And it's just not what's going on in the public. It's just what their liberal utopian ideology is. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. I know we will be talking to you uh, more often as we get close to not only those local elections, but as we mentioned, those national elections next week. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Joe. Congrats on the new show. I appreciate it. Thank you. New York State GOP Chair Nick Langworthy joining us. He mentioned the southern border. Well, Congressman Chris Jacobs 
is just back from a trip to that southern border, and he will be joining us after the news here on Hardline. We'll also ask what he thinks about the COVID restrictions extending here in his district and throughout New York State. If you have any questions you think I should ask the congressman, you can text him 803-0930 on the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. It is Hardline. It is Joe Beamer with you for another hour on News Radio 930 WBEN.